0: You know, you need to be a hard worker and manage your money properly and all of that. But so much of the time when teaching is done on offerings and tithing and offerings, it's just from the spiritual side of give, 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 And not much is said about the natural thing. So we've done a good job, I think, of sharing with you from the Bible about the natural side of finances. How many of you know you can't just keep using your credit card like crazy expect to ever get out of debt. Is, is that right? So there's natural things you need to, to follow. You have to have more money coming in than what's going out. That is that, is that correct? That's a good thing to do. So natural things, but, but I have said so little about the spiritual side of, of, of finances, tithing and offering and so on and giving because I didn't, like I told you last week, I didn't want to get Grouped in with the hucksters, you know the hucksters, the money bilkers that are just trying to get preachers that are trying to get money out of you. And uh, like I said last week, this church is out of debt. We've been out of debt for years. This church is in excellent financial shape. It has been from day one to the present hour. My wife and I are in excellent financial shape. I I say that not to be boastful, but we're not trying to get your money. Do you understand that? Okay. So I want to be sure you understand that. Now. So as we go along here over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at the supernatural side of, of, uh, uh, of you know, money and, and tithing and giving offerings. And uh, we're looking at this through the lens of the New Testament, not the lens of the Old Testament. Uh, so many times when, when preachers start talking about tithes and offerings, they go right to the Old Testament. And uh, much we can learn from the Old Testament. But... We need to do this through the eyes of the or the lens of the New Testament because that's where we're living in New New Covenant days. You understand that? So we will refer at times to the Old Testament, but for the most part, we're going to look at this and have been looking at this through the lens of the New Testament. Now, uh, last week we had talked about you know uh, how we need to give our tithes and offerings, the attitude of our heart as we as we give. We need to be willing. We need to not give grudgingly. Remember talking about that? We need to um, uh, be cheerful when we give. God loves a cheerful giver. So we talked about the motive of the heart last week. And and so, so much along those lines. I won't go over all that. Again, it's on the internet. You can get it for free there. Today I want to talk about what we can expect to receive in return for our giving. Biblically, from the New Testament perspective, what can we expect to receive in return for our giving? If we give the way we talked about last week, with a cheerful heart, with a not, not grudgingly, if, 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 we're, if we're giving the way we talked about last week, what can we respect, uh, expect to receive in return for our giving? And much has been said about this. Over, over the years on, you know, television ministers and, and, and things have, you know, said all kinds of things. What does the Bible say? You want to get into the Bible and see what it has to say? Well, well let's do that. Philippians 4, verse 15. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says, Now you Philippians know also... That in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now, I would underline giving and receiving. Because there is a truth in giving and receiving. There's no question about it. Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. You need to underline that in your Bible or highlight it. Giving and receiving. Last week, we talked about the, the, the attitude of giving, as I said. But now this week, what can we expect to receive in return for our giving? Giving and receiving. Now notice verse 16. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid, that's financial aid, once and again for my necessities. Now then Paul says, not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So thats you need to underline that. You need to make note of that. That's the first thing that we can say here today. That when you give with the right motive, you can expect to receive fruit that abounds to your account. Now, you remember Jesus talked about storing up treasure in heaven? This, this apparently is a heavenly account. Uh, Thank God for the blessing we can receive back here in this hour, in this time in which we live. But you know the things we receive from God, the natural things, financial blessing, is temporal. I said it's temporal. But what we receive from the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, when He judges us one day, as Christians and we're judged, those rewards are eternal. And I'm convinced that as we give of our finances down here we are laying up fruit that will abound to our account in heaven and will be rewarded for that one day at the judgment seat of Christ and those rewards will last for eternity I'm really more interested in that than I am receiving money back in this time in which we live down here how about you That's a good deal right there. Jesus talked about treasure in heaven, didn't he? That's where I want my treasure to be, in heaven. Now, you might say, well, is this the only place where we're going to receive a reward? No, let's read on here. But for now, I want you to notice fruit that abounds to your heavenly account. That's going to be important to us at the judgment seat of Christ. See, the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment for Christians. Sinners, those who have never received Jesus, go to the great white throne judgment. And they'll end up in hell. You understand that? Or the lake of fire. See, when a sinner dies now, they go into hell all right. But then at the great white throne judgment, they're judged and then sent to a worse place, the lake of fire. But when we receive Jesus, we miss out on all that. We get born again and we're saved. Isn't that wonderful? But as Christians, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ... Not to be judged based on heaven, hell, but to be judged based on the things we've done here in the body on the earth as Christians, you see. And one of the things that I think that's going to come up at the judgment seat of Christ is what did did we do with our finances to forward the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? And that's what this fruit that abounds to your account is talking about. Now let's read on. Verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So we talked about this last week. That as we give our our offerings, you know, our tithes and offerings, are, are they go up before God and there's sweet-smelling aroma unto Him. We talked about that last week. Now look at verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory By Christ Jesus. Now here's something you you need to underline and mark down. As you give of your finances into the work of God, into the local church or whatever other good ministry that you support, you can believe God to supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now that's very scriptural and very biblical and that's a good deal. How many of you would like to have all of your needs met? Okay. Okay. So that's something that you need to realize that as you tithe and you, and just so you know, uh, next week I'm going to talk about, because this question always comes up, what about tithing in the New Testament? I don't see tithing in the New Testament, some will say. Next Sunday I'm going to talk about tithing in the New Testament. So we'll do that, take a whole service next Sunday and talk about that, okay, tithing from the New Testament perspective. But when we tithe and we, we, we give our offerings and so on. My God shall do what? Supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Is that a good deal? Okay. Are you okay? Now let's go to Luke 6. Now if you're visiting, visiting today and you're thinking, Man, I came a visit this guy's talking about money. Well, if you'd have been here the last 21 years, you wouldn't have heard a sermon if you, know, you just you pick the time to come to But I think I think that if I were here and I, first time and I was visiting, I would be very blessed to hear some of the things that just have come across this pulpit so far. Don't need your money, don't want your money, not after your money. You see God, you do, you give where where God leads you and directs you. Amen? We're more interested in your soul than we are your money. Talked about that last week. Look at Luke 6:36. Jesus speaking, we need to really listen to him. He's he's our Lord and Savior. He says give. What are we talking about? Giving and receiving. So he says give. And if we'll give with the right motive, notice what happens. It will be given to you. Luke 6:36. Is it should be Luke 6:38? It should be Luke 6.38, right? I'm sorry. That was a good one, too. I messed up. No, it was Ed's fault. He messed up. No, no, I'm I'm teasing. Okay. Well, we're just checking you to see. Are you okay? All right. What's that first word? All right, give. And then notice, now, what can we believe for? What can we believe God to do when we give with the right motive? And it will be given to you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom, or given back to you. You know, For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you again. Now we'll say more about that last part in a moment. But given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. Now, remember, giving, there's more than just giving your money. There's giving your time. There's giving your talent. There's much we could say about that. But in this series, we're talking, talking about money. I do believe this applies to money also. When you give, what will happen? It will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. That's a good deal, isn't it? That's a good deal. I don't know how all that works, but I know that scripture says that if we give, it will be given back to us again. And remember, God is our source, isn't he? But he uses different channels whereby to give back to us. And so as we give, God will give back to us and he'll use many different means to do it. He uses people. And then, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, we're going to see this again in just a moment. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So, if you knew that whatever you gave was going to come back to you, would you want to give with a teaspoon or would you want to give with a shovel? I, 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 I will say this to you. Nobody knows between you and God. But if, if I said to you, we're going to go back in the offering back there, and we're going to take whatever you gave today, and we're going to multiply it by a thousand and give it back to you. I'm going to write you a check. Whatever you gave times a thousand and give it back to you. Now the person that gave $50, what are they going to have coming back? Now, I'm an old math teacher now from way back. If you, huh? you put in 50 bucks times, that'd be 50,000. You'd be jumping up and down, wouldn't you? But what if you gave nothing? Now let's see if I can remember this. Zero times anything is still... I will say this, and I don't say this to offend anybody, but it's, it's Bible. When you come to the house of God and you don't bring an offering, it's insulting to the Lord. You still love me? It's the truth. We'll see as we go in this series, and when I do refer back to the Old Covenant, when they'd come to the house of the Lord, they would bring, back in the Old Testament, instead of bringing their best lambs or their best animals, because that's what they brought back there then, they would find their old sick animals they're diseased they're lame animals and bring that to the lord you know that wasn't acceptable to the lord it was very insulting to him think about it jesus as i read the bible he bled and died for us on the cross didn't he well if he could do that for us we can bring an honorable offering to him you know why david king david was so blessed he said i will not give the lord something that did not cost me anything he was a man after God's own heart. This is serious stuff. Serious business. Look at Proverbs 19, 17. I'm just trying to get you to see that when we give, there is a receiving end to it. There really is. We just need to be sure that we... Are properly handling the receiving end of it, as you know, and that I'm not promising you things that are out beyond the Bible. Many preachers promise you things that are out beyond the Bible just to get you to give more, you see, and that's not good. Notice what this says. Proverbs 19:17 says, "He who has pity on the poor, it's a good thing to help the poor, isn't it? When you help the poor, when you give money to the poor. Now, I didn't say give money to the lazy. God's not into giving money to the lazy." He's into giving money to the poor. When you give money to the poor, what are you doing? You're lending to the Lord, Lord and he will pay back what he has given. That's a good deal, isn't it? You say, now how, how is he going to pay it back? I, he uses people. I don't know how, you know, he uses people. But I know that that's what the Scripture says, that there is giving and receiving. Okay? Now, notice in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, Remember, we we mentioned this last week, the Apostle Paul was talking about an offering that he was receiving for the believers in Jerusalem. And Paul often likened giving finances to, or let me say it this way, he didn't often do this. He did liken giving finances to planting seed in the ground. Okay, he didn't do it often, but he, he did it here in Second Corinthians. He likened giving money to planting seed in the ground. Okay, now look at Second Corinthians 9, verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Didn't Jesus say, by whatever measure you Meat, it'll be meted back unto you again. In other words, if you give with a teaspoon, that's how it's going to come back, in teaspoons. If you give with a shovel, it's going to come back shovels full. If you give with a dump truck, it's going to come back with a dump truck. Is that right? So if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you'll what? Reap bountifully. Reap bountifully. I mean, if you went out and you, you planted just a few seeds in the ground, you're not going to get a great big harvest, are you? But if you plant a whole bunch of seeds, you can expect a big harvest, correct? Okay? Now then, notice here, verse. so so, so what do we learn here from verse 6? He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but if you sow bountifully, you can believe God to what? Reap bountifully. Now look here at uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 and god is able to make all grace abound toward you that you now get ready with your highlighter or your marker here that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work now that's something you can believe god for as you give with a right heart like these folks had given towards this offering you know that was going to jerusalem Notice what Paul says in verse 8. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now that's a good deal, isn't it? You can believe God for that. That's something scriptural. It's solid. You can believe God for that. Let's read this in the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians 9 8. Let's read it in the New Living Translation. And God will generously provide all you need. Now again... This doesn't apply to you if you haven't given. See, so many people want to apply scriptures to themselves and grab scriptures that don't belong to, to them, you see. This only applies to you if you've given with a good and a right heart. What happens? God will generously provide all you need. That's a good deal, friends. That's a good deal. There's no hype up here. I'm not trying to hype you. Now, if you give, you know, we're going to give you the moon with a fence around it, you know. I I think providing all you need, that's a good deal. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Notice, to share with others. That's the heart of God that you give and then it comes back unto you. You're blessed, your needs are met, and then you can be a blessing to others. That's a good deal. I learned a long time ago, you know, a lot of times you'll hear preachers preach, well, if you don't give, then bad things are going to happen to you. I don't come at it from that that angle. I want God involved in my finances. And, 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 And if you do not support His work, I have found He's not going to get involved in your finances. And if you don't have God involved in your finances, that's a curse enough, isn't it? So I want to get involved in his finances so he'll get involved in mine. And then if we'll do that, we'll always have an abundance for every good work and we'll always have everything we need and plenty left over. Look at verse, look at, look at 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. Now, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and what? Multiply the seed you have sown do you have to sow the seed yeah you have to you know you have to give of your finances to the work of God and if you do that then God will multiply that seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness that's a good deal isn't it I know about you but I want to be involved in giving into the offerings of God multiply the seed you have sown now notice here in verse 11, New Living Translation. Here's some other things you can believe for. As you give, verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, he was take this he was taking this offering to those in Jerusalem, they will thank God. Think about that as you give, As others receive your offering, they're going to give thanks unto God. That's a reward, isn't it? I think so. And then in verse 12, he says, so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. Notice, two good things will result. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. That's a reward, isn't it? Just in your heart knowing, didn't Jesus say it's more blessed to give than to receive? I've given to people some things over the years. And the, the blessing for me was when I handed, handed them the money or whatever it was, just to see the look on their face. That was just a blessing. So notice this. The needs will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. See, when you give to someone and you bless them, they will then in turn bless God. That's a reward for me, dear friends. How about you? I'm not trying to be critical here, but as I've watched different televangelists over the years, I don't think I've ever, I can't remember them ever using this scripture to present to their audience as as a blessing for giving. I've always heard give, 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 and then... You know, some, you know, some bizarre things going to come checks going to come in the mail. This is a great, great thing to receive right here. Don't you think? Verse 13. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. That's what it's all about. For your generosity to them. And all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ and they will pray for you. That's a good deal too. See, if you're given into good ground, you know, you're given into a good ministry that's really got a good motive. As a result of your giving, those people will pray for you. And that's a reward. I've never heard televangelists talk about that one either. They'll pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. You getting anything out of this today? I'm not boring you, am I? All right. Now I'm going to begin to conclude the message. I'm not done yet. But I'm going to, having given you all those good scriptural things, don't you think there were some good scriptural things there? But now I want to conclude and talk about two things that you hear, hear about on, on, on television. Again, I'm not here to be critical, but you see, I'm a pastor and I have a responsibility to protect you. And remember last week we talked about at the end of the service, the gimmicks, a lot of the gimmicks that you've seen on television. You know, televangelists, you know, give and some bizarre thing is going to happen. And so much of that, almost all of that's unscriptural, what they say. And so I'm going to share the, the rest of this message to try to protect you. First of all, what about supernatural debt cancellation? Supernatural debt cancellation. I heard one minister say just recently. He said, "You know, some of my partners, their their uh, mortgages have just disappeared from the bank." I said, "What you talking about, Willis?" How many remembers Arnold Jackson? You know, and I would say to his brother, "What you talk?" Yeah, he said that some of his partners have had their mortgages just disappear at the bank. And I'm thinking, I asked Diane, I said, do you think that, that you know, what do you think about that? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Now, I believe that God could speak to somebody and have them pay your mortgage off. I believe that. That could happen. But just for it to disappear, and did you notice my partners? What does that imply? If you're a partner of that ministry... Your mortgage could just disappear. I don't believe that, dear friends. I said, I just don't believe that. I believe somebody could pay your mortgage off. Huh? But just disappear? What's the implication there that if you partner with that ministry, your mortgage or the bills you've run up or whatever the case could just disappear? I I, I don't believe that. What about supernatural debt cancellation in the Bible? There is no such doctrine in the Bible. Now, as I look back at the Old Testament, I saw that every seven years when an Israelite loaned money to another Israelite, every seven years the debts were canceled. They couldn't charge interest on it. But that's not supernatural. That was something that was set up by God. It's supernatural in that way, but it's not... The thing doesn't just... Disappear magically it was it was it was something that they had set up There was a year of jubilee have you ever heard the year of jubilee every 50 years the debts were canceled But it, you know, it was something that was set up Everyone was expecting and there was reasons for that that god put in into place, but it wasn't just poof disappear in that way Jesus mentioned the forgiveness of a large debt in a parable But the emphasis when he gave that parable was was not the wiping out of the debt. It was on being a forgiver but yet people will take these different things and try to convince you that if you'll give in to this church or you'll give in to this special offering that magically, you know, your, your, your debts will all poof, be gone. The only supernatural debt cancellation that I can find in the Bible happened in the Old Testament. There was a lady. She was married to a prophet. The prophet died. He didn't handle his money very well. And when he died, he left his wife and children in deep debt. And so she went to Elisha, the head prophet, and said, hey, the creditors have come to take my sons away. To, you know, they're gonna to have to work out the debt for them. What are we gonna do? And Elisha said, go and borrow as many containers as you can find. And then the oil, remember the oil started multiplying? And then after it, all the containers were full, then Elisha said, go sell the oil, pay off your debt, live on the rest. Supernatural debt cancellation. But you can't, you, you can't build a doctrine on that. Can anybody say amen? And so when you hear preachers talking about supernatural debt cancellation, you need, to take your, your, you need to take your remote control and hit what? Click it off or turn a channel. Is that right? You know, I read you enough today that if you did just believe God for the things we read earlier, you'd be in good shape and so would I. We don't need to go for all this tomfoolery. All they're trying to do is get your money. Be watchful of preachers that are trying to prophesy money out of your pocket and into theirs. Remember, we gave you some of those gimmicks last week, so I won't go through them again. But here, here as I close this message, I want to talk to you about the hundredfold return. Has anybody ever heard of the hundredfold return? Two instances in the Bible where Jesus mentioned the hundredfold the first one was in his teaching on the parable of the sower and the second one was in response to a question asked him by his disciples first of all in his teaching on the parable of the sower you need to realize that in that parable he didn't just talk about a hundredfold he talked about 30 fold and he talked about the 60 fold remember that I've never heard a televangelist yet Talk about if you'll give to this ministry, you're going to get the 30-fold return. They never promise you the 60-fold return. What are they always promising you? Now, you ought to be able to get it right there. That the motive is wrong, isn't it? And when you look at this parable, it's called the parable of the sower. Amounts of money given are not observed in the parable the blessing is the producing of fruit not necessarily the receiving of money the fruit is produced as a result of what one does overall with the word of god in every area of your life which would of course include money but not be limited to it so the parable of the sower where jesus talks about you know 30 60 100 fold you can't you can't you can't give money and expect to receive 100 fold based on that parable do you understand but now here's the one that I want you to turn to. Go to Matthew 19 concerning Jesus' answer to his disciples' question. And Jesus talks about the hundredfold return. And this is where most preachers will go to to try to get your money. Again, do you all know I'm not being critical against anyone? I'm just trying. Listen, my heart, if you don't know me, I, my heart is to protect you from scams. I'm just trying to protect you. What about this hundredfold return? Is it, is it scriptural? If I give a dollar, can I believe God for a hundred back? If I give a hundred, can I believe for a hundred times that back? Well, let's see. Jesus had just dealt with a rich young ruler. This young man comes to him. He's very rich. And Jesus said, sell what you have. Give to the poor. Take up your cross, follow me, you'll have treasure in heaven. Remember the rich young ruler went away from him. Remember that? He was grieved at Jesus saying because he had great possessions, but really the great possessions had this rich young ruler. He couldn't turn loose of his money. The money had control of him. So this guy has just walked off. Matthew 19 Verse 23, then Jesus said to his disciples, assuredly, I say to you that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. His disciples heard it. They were astonished, saying, who then can be saved? See, there's nothing wrong with being rich. It's wrong when money has you. You look at the Old Testament. God made people rich. He made a lot of them rich. Do you understand that? Abraham was one of the richest men, and we see in the Bible, he made heaven. So it's not, God wants you to be blessed financially. He doesn't want you to be in poverty. He just doesn't want money to have you. So notice verse 25, his disciples heard it. They were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter answered and said to him, see, we have left all, you need to underline that. It's very key. We have left all. Did it say that Peter had just given an offering? No. No? What did it say? He has what? Left all. So did he just give a one-time offering? Did he just give a regular offering like weekly? No. What did he do? He what? Real loud say left left all. He left all. And followed you. Jesus, we've left all. And followed you. Therefore... What shall we have? And Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you that in the regeneration... You ought to underline that too. That means at the resurrection. When the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has... What's that next word? Left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife... Now, you'll need to know that in the original text, wife is not there. It's just not in the original. Or children or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive what? A hundred times. times as much or a hundredfold. Now, you study that word out. and Do a study on it. It was a figure of speech. Which, if you go to Vine's Dictionary on New, uh, New Testament Words... This is best translated many times more. realize allowed to say many times more? It's like if I said, you know, uh, so-and-so just blessed my socks off. That's a figure of speech, isn't it? Does it mean that my socks really came flying off my feet? Shall receive a hundredfold, or we could say many times more, and inherit eternal life. You need to realize the blessing here comes by sacrificial leaving, not necessarily by giving of finances. Did you see that? You see, you have to take the hundredfold into context. It doesn't have anything to do with tithing or giving. It has to do with you've walked away from everything. And then he says a hundredfold, but, but he's, it's a figure of speech. He's really, to say, say this, say many times more. That's what he's talking about. Now, that's Matthew's account. Real quick, go to Mark's account. Because remember, Matthew gave an account of this story. Mark and Luke. John didn't, didn't talk about this. So let's go and look at Mark's account. Mark 10:23. Come on, I'm just trying to protect you now. Mark 10:23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples. So this is Mark's account. How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who, who, who what? Trust. See, nothing wrong with having riches. It's wrong when you trust in them. For those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have what? We what? Did he say we've tithed? Does he say we've given an offering? Did he say we gave into a special offering where the preacher was up on uh, in front of the television going, whoo, there's some kind of a hundredfold anointing in here? No. No. We have What? Left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, surely I, surely I say to you, There is no one who has what? Left. Houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife. Wife's not in the original text. Aren't you glad that I don't have to leave you? Yes. Just thought I'd ask. Our children are lands. For my sake and the gospels, Who shall not receive a what? A what? Hundredfold, that's a figure of speech, Vine's dictionary of New Testament words, says this is best translated as many times more. Did you know many times more can be more than a hundred times in some instances? You know, there's some things that I've given on that I've received over the years. I've received more than a hundred times back than what I gave. You know, there are some things I've given that I don't see that I received anything on. But, you know, what did we talk about earlier? There's treasure in heaven. And somebody might ask, well, how can you receive... You know, if I give... Because the way they teach it, you give a dollar, you get a hundred back. But, you know, if I I leave my brother, how do I get a hundred brothers back? Figure of speech, look... By serving the Lord and being a Christian and walking with God. You know, I have two natural brothers. But I've got hundreds of spiritual brothers in the kingdom of God. You understand that? My wife and I, back in 19, we got married in 89 and we we left everything. We left and moved to Oklahoma to attend Bible school. And all these years have come and gone. And you know, God has blessed us back I'd say more than a hundred times. I'm talking in natural stuff. In money and in, in things. More than, more than. And not only that, he's given us all you wonderful people to be friends with. Which I count as more valuable than all the money put together. Did you hear me? So, not a hundredfold, but say this, say many times more. And when? Now in this time. See? Now in this, we can expect to receive things... In this time in which we live, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven for God to bless us. But the greater blessing comes in heaven. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions. Don't forget that when you start getting blessed, people's gonna start criticizing you. Cause I know they will. But you see, the people that criticize haven't, haven't given what you've given. They haven't done what you've done. But yet they want to criticize. I've noticed the biggest criticizers of, we'll take Joyce Meyer. I have total respect for that ministry. Total respect. And you know, people want to criticize that woman. But when you've given as much money away as that woman has given to help unfortunate people, then then you can criticize her. Until you've given tens of millions of dollars away, then you can criticize. Until then, I don't want to hear no criticism. Can anybody say amen? They've blessed this ministry tremendously financially. I never asked for a dime. They just that was one of the avenues God used to help pay this building off. Isn't that wonderful? That ministry helps people. But see, nobody was criticizing her when her and Dave didn't have enough money to rent a hotel room and they were sitting in sleeping overnight in a car. But they were those people are the biggest givers I've ever seen. And God's blessed them. Now see people want to criticize them. Well, don't, you know, how come I haven't got blessed like her? Have you done, have you given what she's given? Yeah, but she's got all that money. No, she was given money when she didn't have two quarters to rub together. She was given what she had. See, so you start where you are. People say, well, when I get a lot of money, I'll be a giver. No, Jesus said if you're not faithful in that which is least, you won't be faithful in that which is much. If you can't give off a dime off a dollar, you're never going to be able to give a hundred off of a thousand. Did you hear me? Or a hundred thousand off a million. You understand that? Are you okay? And in the age to come, eternal life. Again the blessing comes by sacrificial leaving, not necessarily by giving of finances. And then the last one, and then I've got an interesting little slide thing I want you to look at, and then we'll close. Look at Luke eighteen twenty four. I think you'll be interested in this little slide thing I have coming up. But let's read this real quick, this last, last passage here. This is Luke's account. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, this is the rich young ruler, he said, How hard is it? For those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. This is Luke 18, 24. Now verse 25. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why is that? Because money will distract you from the the gospel. I've seen so many people, they're distracted. They'll never turn to Jesus because they got their eyes on their money. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, see, we have what? This is verse 28. we what? We've left all. Are you, in, are you in verse 28? See, we have left all and followed you. They left all. See, that's what this applies to. You say, Pastor Terry, you mean the hundredfold doesn't apply to us? Not unless you've left all. Well, then what do I get for my giving? I just read you a list of things. Remember earlier? In the, I just read you a list. If you, got, if you got half of those blessings, what I read earlier, we'd all be blessed. Is that right? we got much to, to believe for. Who's trying to protect you here? If you give into a certain offering that a televangelist has or into this church. You, no, it's not a hundred. Say this, say many times more. Now, Now, look at this. And he said to them, Assuredly, I said to you, verse 29, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife, again, wife not in the original text, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive what? Now here, the, this Luke's account receives what? Many times more. See, that's the way it needs to be translated. In this present time and in the age to come, eternal life. See, it's not a hundredfold. It's many times more. some cases, that can be more than a hundred, as I said. And uh, you, need, you need to realize that. You need to realize that if you've left all. Does it, did that help anybody? And besides all that, see this, this hundredfold, or this, it's many times more, not hundredfold, many times more. It comes by sacrificial leaving. As I'm, I'm hammering this home to you, I want you to get it. Not just by giving money. And if the hundredfold return literally meant a hundred times, I want to show you something here on this projector, that if it meant a hundred times, eventually the economy would be exhausted. Here, let me show you. Let's just say that I gave $1,000. And let's say I gave it willingly, not grudgingly. I gave it in faith, believing God. And I gave it. Let's just say the hundredfold return was, 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 was biblical. Okay. I give a thousand. So if the hundredfold were true, times a hundred, I would then have what coming back? Okay. Now you need to realize this is what a lot of the televangelists are playing on. It's no more no different than a Las Vegas scheme type thing. Thousand dollars given, times a hundred, now I got a hundred thousand. So now let's be real smart. I got that hundred thousand, so I'm gonna give all of that. We're gonna give it in faith. Now that hundred thousand times a hundred, now I got how much coming back? Million. <laughs> ten million. So let's don't stop now. Let's we'll go, go for, for, it. for it. Are you all getting anything? Am I boring you? Yeah. Alright, let's go for it. Let's roll, let's roll it. So ten million times a hundred, now we're gonna get back one the, with a b right okay are you should we go for more let's give that all again and believe god now now then we have a billion times a hundred now we're going to get a hundred a hundred billion a hundred how many like to have a hundred billion Why, see, why am I doing this? I'm trying to get you to see something. Use, God, see, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, not the removing of our mind. We need to it's some, some common sense when we give. I mean, come on, guys. Now, if this worked, then we're up to what, a hundred billion? Is that right? So now, go for it. A hundred billion times a hundredfold is ten. Ten trillion? Wow! Looks like the debt of the United States government, huh? (laughs) Yes, they do. How much is that? Ten? Is that ten? Ten trillion? More than what? More than we can fathom. And then shall we roll it again? Times a hundred? Oh my gosh! When I did that on my computer, it came up error. (laughs) Now, that's just with one person doing it. Now, let's get another person in faith doing it. Now, we got you. Do you see what what happens here? And it's just it's just it's it's. I believe God wants to bless us wonderfully, but let's just keep it in, in the confines of the Bible. I heard, last thing I want to say here on this, but you can leave that error up there. Because this this, this hundredfold, the way it's brought across is an errant teaching. And it's cost a lot of people, good people, their money. And then they're wondering why the hundred never comes back. and Because it's not a scriptural thing. The scriptural thing is many times more. Okay? You understand that? But I heard a minister say the other day, he said, he he said, you know, again, talking about being a partner with his ministry, that a janitor, now, now listen, I love janitors. Whenever I taught school, I was, I tried to be nicer to the janitor than I was to the superintendent. God pays attention to that. Did you hear what I just said? Don't just be nice to the principal and the superintendent. You treat that janitor better than you treat the principal. And you'll get God's attention. You okay? I know what it's like to clean toilets. God started me out in the ministry cleaning toilets. The pastor called me in and he said, I've got something I want you to do. And I thought, well, he's going to have me preach. So I went out and bought a suit. I went in and sat in his office. He said, I want you to clean the bathrooms. What you talking about? He gave. See, God gave me... I started in the ministry in the 1st, 2nd, 3rd John ministry. Cleaning toilets, and I'm going to tell you something right now. Until you're willing to clean toilets for God, you're not fit to stand behind this holy desk. I had a young boy come up to me many years ago, and he wanted. He said, "I would like to preach in your church." I said, "Well, I said I've got some grounds work I need done." Never saw him again. You see, until you're willing to 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 work on the grounds or usher or do those things, you're not qualified to stand behind the pulpit. Do you understand that? But he said this, this one minister said this, he said, you know, he said, if if you're partner with my ministry, that a janitor can own a multi-million dollar jet. And a crowd, thousands of them, yeah, 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 look, is it by the removing of our mind or the renewing of our mind? Come on. It just it's just it's bizarre. It's crazy. It's it's what it's it's what it's error. So you listen, you be faithful to God. Listen, you work hard. You work hard. You manage your money properly. Save, save all you can manage it. Make good, wise investments. Do all of that. Be a tither. Be a giver. That's between you and the Lord. Believe God as you do this for treasure in your heavenly account. And and, that will happen automatically if your heart's right. And then trust God and believe God that that the return will come many times more. See? I think the Lord's agreeing with me there. And if you do that, and you do it over time, say over time, consistently, consistently, God will bless you beyond your wildest dreams did you get anything out of this today did you okay stand with me if you would I love all of you my assist I preached a little long today but I trust I trust you you were helped all right my assistant's going to take a minute or two to close the service up hey Wednesday night Christ the healer